Well, hello everybody and welcome back to the All Saints podcast. By popular demand, we have... Don't laugh. <laughs> okay. By popular demand, I have back with me this week uh, Pastor Jeff Shaw. He was with me a couple of weeks ago and uh, lots of people thought it was very good, including myself, and I enjoyed it much more than just talking to a camera on my desk. So, uh, Jeff, great to have you back with us. Welcome. Good to be back again. Uh, today I want to talk about and hear you talk about uh, masculinity, which is a topic which we've touched on here and there and has been fairly prominent in Christian media and so on and so forth over the last few years. And I was prompted to this by one pastoral interaction, which we'll come to in a couple of minutes, mm. but also by uh, an email I received from our friends at Theopolis. And between them, these two uh, cameos, really, they just, I thought they gave a great a pair of alternative complementary biblical perspectives on masculinity and just helpful to expand our biblical thinking about this subject rather than just having it shaped by sort of baptized um, pagan notions of chest thumping and so on and so forth. So I'm going to read uh, an extract from this email from Theopolis and then get um, Pastor Shaw to comment on it. Does that sound okay? That sounds all right. <laughs> all right. So we'll go with that. So I, I don't know whether you're signed up to Theopolis, everybody, but um, this is the In Medias Res official newsletter of Theopolis Institute, and they send it out every week or so. And here's what it says. Any way you cut it, the U.S. is in for a year and a half of political tumult. Start simple. The two most likely presidential candidates would be the oldest two candidates ever. Wrinkle one. One candidate is a former president running against an incumbent. That hasn't happened in a century or so. Wrinkle two, one of the candidates, uh, former President Trump, faces multiple criminal indictments and vows to keep on running, even from jail. Wrinkle three, the other candidate has um, a few things going on in the background, obviously um, uh, reputational and legal things. And then wrinkle four, the uh, sitting president, President Biden, faces a challenge within his own party, which may prove troublesome as Robert Kennedy Jr. gains steam. And then this is the conclusion of the article. So this is Peter Lightheart. <laughs> Psalm 2 is right. The nations rage like the sea. We don't need to worry about getting engulfed. We don't need to add to the panic. Our king reigns from Zion and his throne isn't the least bit threatened therefore neither are we resolute non-anxious courageous leaders and communities are in short supply strive to be among them islands of calm in the gathering storm blessings peter lightheart sorry peter if we've just broken copyright by reading <laughs> <laughs> and the title of the, the the email subject is don't panic and i just thought that's great because we have a king on zion the heavenly throne room hill who is not panicking the man on the throne is not panicking how ridiculous if all his brothers or the men of the church were running around like headless chickens but don't you realize steve don't you realize <laughs> that this is the most important election since that we the last have... <laughs> one i mean right yeah yeah i mean where have we heard that before yeah and it, it's, but it is fascinating isn't it i mean because we we catastrophize. Um, we we have such a short term view of history, both mm -hmm. looking backwards and looking forwards, that we think we we see recent events and immediate future events much bigger because they are so close to us. Right. Um, we forget the 
the, the centuries of the martyrs in the early church, in the medieval period, in the Reformation period, in parts of the world now, we're narrowly focused in time, narrowly focused in space. And so we think there is reason to panic. And Jesus is like, <laughs> what? what what's, what's the big deal, men? Right. Yeah? Right. That said, yeah. I would say, uh, obviously, we long for the days where we where we had better choices, right? right? right where right. Um, you want to vote for Kennedy or you want to vote for Nixon, you know, that 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 would be wonderful, wouldn't it? To, uh, I mean, any choice. <laughs> I mean, sorry to bring Nixon into it or whatever, but hey, yeah, I brought yeah. Kennedy into it. And this was this was striking to me back in 2016. We were still in England then. And I remember asking Peter himself, he was visiting uh, yeah. Emmanuel in London when I was where I was then pastoring. I remember asking him, uh, what in the world is going on in the, in, in the greatest huh. democracy on the planet? Yeah. Are, are, are these the best that the two great parties can come up with? And the answer is yes. Yes, right. Yes, that's right. Yes, apparently so. And uh, we've heard it said many times yeah, yeah. in our church and around. Uh, we have the leaders we deserve. Yeah, we're under judgment. We're yeah. right. Yeah. And and this is, you know, we laugh about it, but it's obviously a very sad state yeah. of affairs. So So the solution is not panic. No. But the solution is not either. Doesn't matter. No. So, so I find this image of um, men hmm. leading their households as foot soldiers in the army of the king profoundly helpful. Because what what should the foot soldiers in the army of the king who has conquered and is conquering do? Well, we we we're prayerful. Hmm. We're resolute. Um, we're hopeful. We're expecting probably more of this kind of nonsense before we get less of it. We might be, the rest of our lives might be um, lived in this um, political atmosphere. Right. And But there is a way of being, what's the phrase that Peter uses? You quote it again. Resolute, non-anxious, courageous. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing that really strikes me. So often we think of courage and in the context of masculinity as as a kind of hyper-activist mm-hmm. mentality, that resolute, non-anxious. Right, right. We don't, we we do not have to panic. Yes. And we do not have a choice between acquiescing to all the silliness around us, yes, as one yes, president yes. does, yeah, yeah. or being a, um, a buffoon and, uh, you know, having no control over yes, his no self-discipline, no self-discipline and, and threatened, frankly, yes, uh, yes. by every, right, right, yeah. by everyone. Yeah. So we, we don't have to choose between those two things because yeah. we have a yeah. different identity. Yes. And our identity is not in ourselves. Right. It's and, in the one who's sitting on the throne. Right? right. And and I think this is where it's so helpful to think about this from an ecclesial perspective. So that w- w- where can we focus our energies? It is in the body of the one who is on the throne. Mm-hmm. So what we are as members of the church is members of Christ. Yes. And from a social perspective, we're an outpost of a new community. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, we're really hoping that someday in the future there will be a place where wisdom and righteousness could reign. We are in a place where wisdom and righteousness reigns. If if we don't make it happen here, this is on us, not mm. on um, Wall Street or K Street or um, the White House or the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. We, we at All Saints and whatever church we're in, 
are an outpost of the kingdom of this king. And in our homes, in our families, in our personal lives, in our relationships with each other, in our community as a church, we get to shape the culture there. And we're promised that that culture will grow over time to fill the earth. Right. So really, it, it's not just that uh, we, we should avoid either hyperactivism or passivity. We have a very well-defined mm. sphere of purposeful, resolute, courageous action within the church, within our own lives, within our families. And it's there that we can focus all that disciplined, mm. masculine courage and strength. Right. And that, that kind of leadership and that kind of masculinity is going to be exercised in the most ordinary ways, isn't mm -hmm. it? I mean, at home, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just your daily routine we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in, I mean, the, in the workplace, yeah, it's, it's, you it's, get up every day, you go to work, and you 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 can rise and shape culture yeah, and be yeah. a leader in your in your yes. workplace. And then in you know, at, in the church, really. Yes, in the, yes, yes. In, I mean, and it's teenagers growing up and um, being the uh, most hardworking kid in your class, absolutely, or being the <clears throat> self-controlled. Uh, young person on your running team mm -hmm. or in your baseball team, uh, being the one who doesn't swear uh, and refuse to shake hands when he loses. Mm -hmm. you know, it's these ways in which we manifest mature, um, confident, joyful optimism as members of the one who is conquering. Yep. Yeah. And one who's willing to proclaim the truth. Yeah, in yes. love. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, it was wonderful. Just this last, just this last week, I heard of a, a guy in the workplace. For more saints, won't tell you who it is, but you know, he's been uh, talking to a friend of his, and his friend wants to wants to be a Christian because he's seen hmm. in Christian uh, life and action the concrete manifestation. I don't put words in his, house, in his mouth, but certainly this much is true: the concrete manifestation of something that works, sure. something that's actually um, fruitful. Hmm. So hmm. that that your comment actually raises the other arena that I wanted to spend a minute or two on the ordinariness of the, the home setting and of, and this is going to be particularly relevant to men who are married but mm -hmm. um, and any man who's not married is or almost any man who's not married is potentially preparing for marriage so mm -hmm. so uh, I was talking to a, a gentleman about um, the implications of first Peter 3 and you realize that first Peter 3 uh, 1 to 6 is a bunch of instructions to wives and then there's a short instruction to husbands, and it is very well known in First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Literally, live with your wives according to knowledge, catechonosin. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, hmm. since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And that little phrase, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, of course, is the, is the bit that provokes raised eyebrows um, in some contexts it provokes um, stammering apologies for the misogynic misogynistic character of the, the holy scriptures right. um, yawn um, actually what it is the most obvious observation about um, the differences between men and women and, and not just you know bench press capacity mm -hmm. but in well, what, what really struck me in this conversation, tell me what you think of this, is um, when men are being really godly men and when women are being really godly women, mm. women are more emotionally sensitive and, and almost 
thin-skinned in relation to other people's suffering. If, if you had... Um, it's not that men can't be sensitive and so mm-hmm. on and so forth, yeah. and there's not as obviously there's a spectrum. But it just struck me that, um, that there's lots of different angles to this. But one of the things that that happens if if men who are husbands live with their wives in a way that shows great gentleness mm-hmm. and great. Um, Sensitivity, yeah, understanding mm-hmm. sensitivity to the particular emotional needs of their wives mm-hmm. that allows their wives to develop and express the peculiarly feminine emotional sensitivity yeah. that otherwise they would have to not develop because they'd get bruised, right? right. If they think, flip it around, imagine a, a husband who is boorish, insensitive, crass, mm. n- never showed affection. Um, uh, well, the wife would either just implode or she'd have to develop a thick skin emotionally and not be responsive to those that, that emotional insensitivity, which would mean she's likely to be more thick-skinned in other relationships as well. Right, and less in feminine in yeah, that sense. precisely. Right? We're, we're talking about masculinity and femininity. Right. And, so, right. so, so flip it around. What is it that would bring out of uh, a man's wife that latent gentleness and femininity mm-hmm. that, that is characteristic of femininity, the, mm-hmm. the gentleness and sensitivity that we see in, in really godly women, it's if their husbands don't require them to toughen up yeah. to cope with the barrage of insensitivity that they get, but instead they're, right. they're gentle with them. And I've, I've just noticed over the years that many of the men who I've, I've admired because of the, the strength of their leadership, a masculine quality, hmm. actually are remarkably gentle with their wives. And their wives are extremely sensitive and right. gracious. They're exactly the sort of person that I would encourage a, a lady who was um, grieving, say, to hmm. go and see. Because mm-hmm. they would have the, this deep emotional empathy and connection because they've not been cauterized by emotional insensitivity on the part of their husbands. Right, right. So that it, in that sense then, okay, so this is coming a long way around. So how is this masculine? Well, a man who is willing to expend the emotional effort hmm. to, to show that grace and gentleness and sensitivity, like even when he's tired, <laughs> even when he's been at work since and there are too few digits on the clock, and mm-hmm. it's just arrived home late, and it's, he just feels like, I need a beer, I need to go to bed, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, although, don't drink beer out of exhaustion, drink water, and then if you still need beer, have beer <laughs> afterwards. But, but, but a, a man who, even at that time, when he's exhausted, has the physical and emotional character to be gentle to his wife, and be gracious, and be accommodating emotionally. Right. Is being a real which man. is really yeah exactly I was just going to say it, which is true masculinity right? Right, right and and this is where our culture gets it all wrong yeah this yeah. is where the the polar opposites of our uh, political um, spectrum get it wrong yeah, I yeah, mean yeah, one yeah. one president probably would not even uh, he would take offense at this kind of language right, and say precisely. well what is a woman even you know they're, they're yeah, struggling with right, what is a right. woman. And the other represents kind of this boorish mentality towards women that you yeah, treat them yeah. as objects, and you you know yeah, you're known yeah, yeah. as 
yeah. as, as yeah, as someone who really doesn't yes. love women and uh, doesn't treat them with yeah. respect. So, and, it, and it's a manifestation. Christian men can be different. They right, can, exactly. It's a, and it's a manifestation <clears throat> of how busted our political system is. Mm -hmm. That there's any woman in the country who thinks that he's a better choice than the other guy. <laughs> but both yeah. directions. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, it's, why would, <laughs> why would a, a woman who's thinking right want to vote for a party? that has been led by a man who says he has treated women in that way yeah. or by a man who struggles to define what a woman is. Right. It's, it's, it's absolutely unreal. Lost. So the male figureheads that we're presented with are yeah, busted. Mm -hmm. What we have in Christ is the most gentle, gracious model of a man who, in relation to his bride, shows such unending patience. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think how patient he is with us. <laughs> like, we were talking today about um, about your um, by this time by the time this goes out they'll have heard your sermon <laughs> okay. so yeah this is going to sound mulling strange. it over you're mulling it over but um, but but it's just really striking to me one of the things that we that we talked about here or I don't whether it goes into your sermon is you know the Lord hears such imperfect prayers mm -hmm. Jesus looks at our hearts and in ourselves we're still corrupted and yet He still listens to us still loves us still cares for us yeah and so uh, we have there a model of that, and that's masculine strength to dig emotion, dig deep emotionally, hmm. to provide emotional, um, an emotional platform for our wives to thrive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen. Um, you're a busy man, and you've got lots of things to do. <laughs> I, I, I literally, I got to tell you, the listeners, this. I was about to record this podcast on my own, talking to the camera, and I suddenly thought, Why am I doing this? I'm going to pass a short. So he's busily working downstairs. I went and interrupted him. So I'm going to let him go now. So um, I think we're done. Uh, so please go ahead and share this with your friends if you think they find it helpful. And as ever, if you have any questions, send them our way for now. God bless, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>